So that's where the light bulb popped up. The non-tech business users, they're the ones asking questions around data, but the tools are made for technical people like myself. I'm super thankful to the community, uh, especially people in no-code that have been receptive to new tools. You would have to use specific keywords and it would become like Google search back in 1999. When I think of no-code, I really think of the idea of taking something incredibly complex and making it insanely easy to use. Hey there, it's Edmund. I can't remember when or where but I read it somewhere that most podcasters quit after an average of eight episodes. Well, I want to thank you for listening and keeping me going up to episode seven right here. If there's one thing of which I'm sure you have a choice in deciding what you listen to. So wherever you're listening, thank you. With regards to that unverified statistic, I promise to be an outlier. However, I need a favor from you. Yes, from you. If you've gained anything from the episodes on Codeless, I'd appreciate you rating, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with someone you know. It helps get the podcast discovered by other folks who are curious about unlocking creativity and enabling transformation. Today's episode is special because it involves a topic in which I'm very interested, data science. We're talking with Nerman Dave, co-founder of Obviously AI, where they're on a mission to make data science effortless. And yes, I'm going to say it, without writing a single line of code. I've got to tell you that I was surprised to find a no-code tool for data science and machine learning. Having said that, I'm grateful it exists, and I'll be kicking the tires on obviously AI. We're going to roll right into an intro from Nurman and get into it. Enjoy. My name is Nirman Dave. And I'm the CEO at Obviously AI. Um, Obviously AI is a no-code machine learning tool for business users that allows them to make predictions on their data without writing code, simply by asking questions in plain English. Our journey has been pretty exciting. I used to work at a small growing company in San Francisco, and I was the only data science person at the company. So what used to happen was that a lot of non-tech business users, right, business analysts, marketing analysts, they would come up to me and they would ask me questions around data. So something as simple as tell me which of the top 100 users have done this to something more complex like who's likely to cancel the subscription plan on our software. Um, and every time they had a question, I would have to kind of go out and write really complex scripts to give them the data back or really complex regression algorithms and machine learning algorithms to give them predictions back. Take me a couple of weeks, and then they would come back with follow-up questions. So that's where the light bulb popped up, which was like, hey, why is it that the non-tech business users, they're the ones asking questions around data because they want to make business decisions, but the tools are made for technical people like myself. So can we build a tool that's incredibly easy to use, doesn't require coding, and can get to your results in less than a minute? So you don't have to wait on an engineer to get questions answered. And because of that, I could now focus on other things that were more exciting. 
that I was really hired to work. So that was, that was the whole idea. And that's how obviously I started. This is a really great way to work on a problem, which is make it personal. Were you just trying to get them to answer the question in one go, or you just got tired of the follow-ups? I was actually hired to work on some really cool ML algorithms. And I would often see myself writing SQL play. And it was like, hey, like, you always keep coming back to me for this question. Let's automate it. Um, so that's where it really started. So you're fulfilling a certain business function right. and you essentially decide that in order to do your job better, you need to automate some of it. Right. And that inspiration as, I guess the word is entrepreneur when you're at a company to automate some of your own internal processes right. led you to transform into an entrepreneur and actually make this a business. Correct. So talking about obviously.ai, we understand the why, and it's really about a no-code way to perform data analysis and get really rigorous insights back on your data. Why did you pick the name obviously? Because to be frank, there are so many jokes about how many times people say obviously in regular conversation. So why did you pick the name obviously? I mean, isn't it, isn't it obvious? <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we started out of the basement in SF, right? We were just two people trying to crack code. And when we were doing it, we were like, what should we name this thing, right? And really the conversation went towards like, if I was to ask you a question around data, what would you, what would you look for? What would you Google? What would you think about? And we couldn't really come up with stuff, right? We, we started to come up with very technical names like vector flow, it kind of originated from TensorFlow and we're like, that's not gonna work out. And then we asked a friend of ours who was not in tech and he said, obviously AI. So that's kind of what we really started. And as we moved forward, we started to realize that it, it's just a name that people can recognize. It's something that is so obvious that there are certain problems when you think of around data, you obviously think of AI. And we wanted to be in that moment. Obviously represents a really great peek into the future, which is machine learning and data science in no code. What is no code to you? That's a great question. I think people believe that no code is this idea where you take in a complex piece of tech and boil it down to one very simple feature and give that feature for others to use, right? And, and it's often believed to be a very beginner tool where you can only do a tiny amount of X. What I strongly believe is that no code generally is the idea that you can do everything that you would be able to do otherwise with code, but really make it easy to use for non-tech users or non-programmers or even poor programmers that don't want to code. When I think of no code, I really think of the idea of, and that is the most powerful idea that I've, uh, I've ever come across. Thank you. So with one definition I've heard about no code is the use of abstraction layers. You and your team had obviously have essentially taken this idea and you've built an abstraction layer for data science. But did you always intentionally make the connection between obviously and no code? How did you make that connection? That's a, that's a great question. So it really boiled down to how we talked about what we did. So initially, we, when we started to build this product, like we would go to 
uh, business users that weren't writing code. And we would try to explain this new concept called automatic machine learning systems. And they were like, what is, what's an automatic machine learning system? And then we would be like, this is how machine learning works. This is how technical you can get. But with this system, you don't have to get technical. And it often never hit the point. And one day I was doing the same pitch to, to one of the business analysts. And he said, oh, so you mean like no code machine learning? And we were like, yeah. And then we started to realize that that's an interesting way to talk about it. Because one of the key things when you build a product is how do you explain it to others? And what we were missing was we'd made a product for non-tech users, for business users, but we were giving them a pitch which was technical. Eventually we started to learn and understand how no code is making a big difference in a lot of people's lives. And then we moved forward with that. So I want to transfer into the idea of attitudes, mindsets in this space. How has your association with the no-code community changed anything else at the company or the way you do things? Oh, that's changed uh, a lot. I think it doesn't only change how we talk to no-code about other people, but it also changes how other people find us and think about us. We see more people that are Googling no-code X, no-code web design, no-code machine learning, no-code automation, right? So we see people looking for no-code tools that has been incredibly valuable because that way we get in front of the right people. And because there's this amazing community that's being built around no code, we see people that are more enthusiastic to give feedback. One of the key things is because no code is such a growing community, people strongly feel ownership of the tools that they use. And they can see that the feedback they give actually gets implemented and gets out on the platform. So you can see the impact. You can be a part of the impact. And that in itself is incredibly powerful today. So I want to ask you something. This is personal to me. So I'm very interested in data science. I've done lots of things with data that I thought for myself were very interesting. And now I'm really digging in and trying to make this a thing for myself. With obviously, should I just give up my Coursera data science course? I don't need to do that anymore. Well, I guess it's, it's about time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for a lot of things that are simple business needs, right? Like you want to understand your customers, you want to understand your product, you want to understand different aspects of your business. You don't need to know how to write code. Although if you are saying that, hey, you want to go out and build a more mission critical item, which means you want to build an algorithm that's going to predict cancer, right? In that case, I would strongly suggest learn machine learning. But for everything else that is business related, that's business focused, obviously, yeah, it's good. I'm sure I'm not the only person that's excited trying to tell you what else you should be working on. I'm sure that you've got lots of suggestions and requests <laughs> for features. Right. How do you focus on what matters? I think that's a great question. I think it really comes from the customers. What we firstly look at is what the customers are saying and how many people are looking for something like that. But moreover, what we really truly look for is how will this impact their entire experience of data science? So we go back to our vision, right? Our vision is to make data science incredibly effortless for everyone. Whatever we do, we ask ourselves, does this make data science effortless, right? Is it going to make it more effortless or is it going to add more complexity? And anytime the answer is probably add a little more complexity, we don't do it. 
So we're very focused in that way. So that really, really drives a lot of what we do. Hey, it's me. What do you think about the exclusive update on Obviously's data store? I think that makes the platform a worthy try as they are removing obstacles and giving you a chance to take a test drive with publicly available data. Nirman and I talked about a bunch of nerdy things and you'll hear about one of those in the next segment. Natural language processing or NLP is one of the features obviously uses to make their platform easy to use. Send a tweet to let Nirman know what you think when you try it out. Enjoy. You said something about natural language processing, which uh, I'll shorten that to NLP for this. What are the advantages of actually utilizing NLP in data science? Yeah, that's a great question. So often when anyone that's on the business side of things has a question around data, they would have to either go to their database systems and have to write SQL queries, which is basically when you can write code and command to your database system, which will then give you results back. Now, these queries can get complicated very fast because they're basically code. The second thing that you could do is if you have CSV files, you have to go through multiple different CSV files and kind of pull data in from all different sources and it's a lot of stuff to do there. It's really annoying. And then the third thing, obviously, is wait on the data side. So when you talk to a business user, one of the key things you realize is they don't want to write code. They don't want to wrangle CSV files, and they certainly don't want to wait for weeks on one engineer. So we said, hey, can we do something that makes this entire interface incredibly easy to use? And eventually we realized, what if there was a Google-like search bar where you could literally ask what you're looking for and get that result back? So that's where the NLP really started, which was like, can we build something that makes it incredibly effortless to do data science? Is it fair to say that in the subset of companies focused on data science, NLP is your big differentiator? The differentiator doesn't end with NLP. It really starts there. That's the interface that we're bringing in. But on top of that, there's a lot of things that make data science effortless. NLP is something that the user experiences. On the back, we have automated machine learning, which means a system that will automatically build the right machine learning algorithm to give you the predictions. We have a lot of deep query systems, which will actually go out and find the right data from the question you're asking. So our differentiator comes in the technology that we build, but on the user side, what the user really sees is the effortless interface that it gets them the answer. You're giving me so much good content to ask follow-ups, but you said something about deep query systems. Can you talk about that? So deep query systems are this idea that you could take a question or you could take literally any sentence in English and break it down into pragmatics, semantics, and different aspects of the sentence to then convert that to a computer command that can run and give you results. In this case, it's finding the data. Tell the listeners about the different types of analysis that your platform can perform. Correct. So let me start with machine learning. There are two things that obviously I can do, right? So the first thing is finding the right data, which is pretty obvious, right? You just want to know the data that's there. You could ask a question. The second thing it does is machine learning. Now machine learning 
can be divided into multiple parts. So obviously the one that's really famous is the video based machine learning systems like face recognition algorithms and other things that you see often on the movies. Second thing in machine learning can get more deeper, which is the speech and text. So what we really work with is text data, which is a CSV file data, a database data, something from a CRM system and machine learning. What it really means is the art of finding pattern in data. So you could have tons and tons of data. And if you can teach a machine how to find patterns in that data, that's what machine learning is. What can you do after finding those patterns? One of the things you could do is make a prediction. And that is what obviously AI does today. A second thing that you could do is make suggestions of how you can alter those patterns. Meaning if I have a list of customers that have purchased from me in the past, I run it on a machine learning algorithm, I get a pattern of the ones that have purchased the most. Now I could alter the pattern of the ones that have purchased the least so that they purchase more, right? And that's called prescriptive analytics. So what we really focus on is predictive, right? We find patterns and we help you predict which new customers are likely to purchase again. So that's the whole idea with machine learning and AI, where we focus on text data and do predictions. Can obviously AI take structured as well as unstructured data? So we typically lean towards a structured data side, which means the data is either in a CSV, a database, it's written down in a technological platform, like a computer. There's another aspect of unstructured data because often unstructured data could be thought of as something that's outside the computer, right? Like you write a book and in the book, you have a record of everyone that visits your store. That's unstructured data because that's not on a structured database. So what we work with, it's already on a computer. It may not be clean, but it's already on a database system on a CSV or somewhere on your computer. So one use case I see is as far as a specific customer profile, I really see this as a great B2B opportunity, especially for startups and uh, companies trying to find product market fit or figure out their customers or understand their customer behavior. I also see it as a great tool for well-established companies with lots of data and for smart entrepreneurs within those companies to use a platform like obviously.ai to find better and faster insights. With that being said, can you layer different data sets and have them interact with each other? Yeah. So let me touch on the first part first. In terms of who our customer is, right? Mostly we see that it's either business analysts in a small or medium businesses, which don't have a data science team or cannot scale one. But it's also sometimes very interesting that we've seen larger businesses where there are smaller departments that really hate waiting on a data science team for a couple of weeks. So that's the persona that we really shoot for. In terms of can we layer multiple data? Currently, we haven't rolled that feature out. It's a feature that is in beta where you can plug in different data sources. Let's say you have sales data in your CRM, user data on your databases, payments data on your spreadsheets or something, and then you can bring all of that together. We don't do that yet, but we'll be doing it soon. Good. I want to bring a specific use case. Can you take data in one way and visually present it in another? So could you take a spreadsheet of customers, locations, buying habits, and maybe profitability? And then could you take that and translate that into a map? Yeah, exactly. So as I mentioned, we have the predictions piece, 
there's another tab if you go to the platform that says analyze and there you just ask a natural language question but you don't want to predict anything right so for you could say customers that are in this location that do this kind of activity show me what they do or what they've done right and then you would literally get a graph or a map or a pie chart whatever graph you choose as an output that you can export directly to your presentations when we're speaking about customer types what level of technical proficiency is required to use obviously that ai so our customer is typically um, a business analyst right so this is someone that knows what data exists right so you should know what csv files you have what database you have like they should know what data exists but they just don't know how to write code or they find it really frustrating to do that so that's the persona and that's kind of like the prerequisite if you are someone at a role in a business where you have no clue what data exists and you have a very broad question that's not the person that we target today so it's someone that knows the data and really hates writing code or cannot write code when did you launch so as a company we started about a year back we'd been in alpha mode we'd been in beta mode and we just did our public launch about 3 weeks back what's it like birthing a new thing it's been amazing i'm super thankful to the community uh, especially people in no code that have been receptive to new tools i think that really marks a new era in 2020 where like we starting to see that people are no more seeing no code tools as beginner tools and are starting to actually adopt it and use that in their daily life already we've had 700 users that are using the platform and the community is awesome what are some surprising customers you've seen come to the platform i mean like surprising in the sense of i didn't expect yeah. they'd be interested yeah that's a great question very interestingly we've seen cxos of organization come in because they face the same problem we've seen really high level execs trying to use the platform and that was a little bit of a surprise we've also seen very interesting use cases in industries that we didn't think were something that we would initially look at so for example we saw a bank that wanted to use us to predict who's likely to pay credit card bills on time and that was a very interesting use case where it was like oh like we could kind of generate this thing that would automatically tell us these guys are likely to pay credit card bills on time and they would get a notification every time someone hits a certain threshold so those kind of use cases are very surprising we've had a retail store that wanted to predict how many people are likely to come in like the the foot traffic they get on the retail store when they run online promotions or when they run any kind of promotions so those kind of use cases have been very exciting cuz it kind of helped us broaden our scope and really understand that people outside of saas and consumer businesses also have really interesting needs in analytics and still the process is incredibly frictionful for them so that's a really good sector of market that we've been checking out as well when we talk about the capabilities i know you've mentioned some things that are on your road map for the future could you go over those again and just basically answer the question in the sense of what is it obviously can't do right now that you're working on right great question so <clears throat> one of the key things that we learned from our users is that often they wanted to check out or try out obviously ai um with public data sets right now the challenge there was they couldn't find the right public data set um even if they could find it it wouldn't be in the right format for obviously ai so we started to talk to a lot of customers we ran a bunch of surveys and we realized that there are people that want to use external data sets 
but often have trouble getting there. So the first goal was, can we decrease that? And uh, one of the key things that you'll see upcoming is basically, and this is kind of like exclusive on your podcast. Hold on, uh, this is exclusive to Codeless? Yeah, that's correct, because we've never announced this before. It is actually something that we call a data store. Uh, it's like an app store, but for data. So say you're in healthcare, for example, and you want to use publicly available healthcare data to make a couple of predictions or run some analytics that can help you with the work that you're doing. All you can do is you go to the data store, you basically search for data sets that are available, and in one click, you can start making predictions or analytics and start asking natural language questions on it. Thank you for giving us that exclusive. (laughs) So like, what if I'm interested in like, the economy and real estate, like, can I go in and find all like the Fred, the economic data, all that ready to go? Correct. So just like an app store where you have games, you have productivity tools, you have fun, other tools that you would use like banking and stuff, just like that on the data store, you have different categories. So you can say e-commerce, healthcare, retail, marketing, and you could find data sets in those categories. That's a really great roadmap execution you're taking on. Thank you for bringing that to us. If you want to give us any more exclusives, feel free. Um, (laughs) Just one other thing that's on the roadmap that some of the users might like, because probably if you go to Product Hunt or Twitter, you'll see a bunch of reviews around it, is everyone wants to integrate it with other no-code tools like Zapier and Mobile, and we'll be releasing something for that as well. So let's talk about the path to obviously. So you talked about your path, entrepreneur to entrepreneur and starting this company, what technological milestones needed to have been present for you to be able to build this platform? It's a great question. It's amazing. If 10 years back or 15 years back, we were to build a platform like this, it would be very difficult. It would be very limited in terms of how it's being used. So I think one of the key things that we needed for the time to be right was A, the technological advancement with servers and processing power and machine learning. So we see a lot of online available cloud servers that do ML processing. Second thing was people's ability to accept no-code tools as something that they could use in their serious day-to-day work. I think 10 years back, you would have seen probably tools like Weebly where you could make a website with drag and drop, but nobody called it no-code and was often seen as an amateur thing. So that mindset change where people were like, hey, now I can do complicated stuff without writing code was one of the most important things that allows us to do what we do today. How can people reach you? You can always go to the Obviously AI website um, or feel free to directly email me. My email is not hard to remember. It's nirman at obviously.ai. I really enjoyed having you on the show. I can't wait to come out to Berkeley and actually see all the obvious jokes you have on your wall. Yeah, we'd love to host you. Please, please come by. All right, man. I'm going to sign off. Talk to you later. Thanks for taking the time, Edmund. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that concludes this episode of Codeless. I hope you had a fun time. If you gained anything from the episode, I'd appreciate you rating, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with someone you know. It helps the podcast get discovered by other folks who are curious about unlocking creativity and enabling transformation. After the closing credits, you hear again from Nirman 
about the past and future decades of no code. Make sure to follow on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. I'll be posting a video demo that Nirman gave for Obviously AI. You can reach me on the same social channels by searching for the Codeless podcast handle. Just search for the words Codeless and podcast and you can't miss us. All music was provided through the appropriate licensing and permissions. Big thanks for the music to Steph Skilly, Bobby Odsock, Rmark1313, Raising Sounds, and Prod.NoCredit. You can find more information and links in the show notes. The impact of no code has been phenomenal. People have started to recognize that no code is not just a tool for amateurs, but it's also a tool for professionals that want to use and build something in the industry. We've seen, you know, website development tools that are no code that professionals use. We've seen automation tools that are no code that professionals use. And now the next wave that's coming up is going to be data science tools that are no code that professionals use. The next decade of no code will enable everyday users to run technologies that have been far out of reach for now. For example, one of those technologies is machine learning. It's been out of reach for business users for a very long time. And with no code, we'll start seeing more machine learning tools coming in. Additionally, with no code, we'll start seeing more exciting things that'll be coming in around IoT, around hardware as well. One of the changes that I'm most excited about is people adopting and using no code machine learning tools for their professional use in their professional job and making decisions based on the no code data science and machine learning tools that they use.